Hi there. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Buino. Today's guest is Jamila Kakula Kinney. She's the creator of Moving Soul Wellness, which is a holistic movement practice that bridges the gap between soma, psyche, and soul. She's a teacher of the gyrotonic expansion system and Pilates, and she's been sharing her passion for mindful movement for over 12 years. Jamila's practice utilizes these modalities to guide and assist clients in a personal exploration of body awareness and body conditioning. Her training and experience as a dancer, dance movement therapist, Reiki, and Zen Shiatsu practitioner cultivates a skillful, intuitive approach that supports and encourages curiosity and focus. I hope you really enjoy this interview with Jamila today. This is an episode where the conversation really spoke to my soul and really felt connective in a very special way. So please enjoy my interview with Jamila. Hello, Jamila. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to Conversations with the Wounded Healer. I am so happy to have you here with me today. I am super excited to be here. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> So why don't we start off with, you can tell the listeners who you are and what you do. So I'm Jamila Kakula Kenny, and this is so interesting that it is happening right now because yes. how I actually see myself and the work that I do has actually been transitioning for probably about coming around two years. And so I can say at this point in time that the work that I do, I would call myself a somatic practitioner, movement mm. practitioner. And so it has a wide scope of how I utilize clients getting to be at home in their bodies and connect mind, body, spirit, and that takes shape really differently. The types of conversations I have through various movement systems that I'm trained in, various body systems that I train in, and then my really strong spiritual personal training that I am continuing to, you know, grow and study. And that just continues to like fill up how I actually work with people and their bodies. I think that, that it is clear, but unclear. So that's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect mess. I love it. It's lovely. It's lovely. People are like, I know that there's something bigger going on here. Right. Even though we're like, I'm just moving my body. They're like, there's something else happening. I was like, you are correct. So, <laughs> Yeah. I am excited uh, for this transition for you too then. I obviously had no idea really what was going on with you. So just, I guess, to tell listeners our background together. So you and one of my favorite people, Sarah McLaughlin, hosted a retreat in Costa Rica over four years ago, and that's where you and I met for the first time. Exactly. And I know Sarah and love Sarah, so I wanted to go just because I think she's awesome and so assumed you were awesome just because as well. Right, by association. <laughs> and I remember, you know, gyrokinesis was really the thing that you were into at the time. I don't know if that's still the case, but... Oh, definitely. Okay, definitely. yeah. And I saw that and I'm like, what the fuck is that bullshit? <laughs> what is this? Shit. Not that I didn't trust what you were doing was cool, but, and even after experiencing it, honestly, I still don't know that I understood it. Yeah. So gyrotonic and gyrokinesis are part of the gyrotonic expansion system. And I am a pre-trainer, which is like the first like teacher trainer level. And so I get to help people 
get themselves ready to actually be able to teach the work, which I absolutely, mm. absolutely love. Like big old, like, oh my God, like I always feel energetically hugged whenever I am leading a teaching. And in general, some basic things about gyrotonic and gyrokinesis is that the work is really holistic and it's very organic in nature. So a lot of the movements that we do, right, that you were like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, was very circular. It has a continuous Mm -hmm. flow to it. It does address and I believe I was starting to address some of the different breath components and how Mm -hmm. energetically that changes your attention and your awareness to how you move through space. And so that was also interesting for me to watch and be a part of when I was, you know, leading group, but it's an amazing system that has been around like actively since the eighties for dancers. And then it's kind of moved out into rehabilitation for various types, as well as sports training. And then just like how I like to use it, of course, is like maintenance and actually connection for longevity in your life. And so it's really helpful to actually work in a kind of recuperative state, I like to call it, and teach the high-level dancers that I work with, of course, is like how to actually be aware of the subtleties of your body, right? You're not always performing. And it's like, you're right. not, like for you, you're not always a therapist. You're not always this. You're not always that. Mm-hmm. But what you are is that you are a body. Right. And you have a body and you should be connected to your body. And actually, you know, you should have a really nice way to be able to recuperate from the day, recuperate from the week and from other stresses and find ways so that you can really find like a way to harmonize, you know. Mm. So I find the work really deep. And I love introducing it to people at various stages of like my favorite is like getting people to start when they're like 80. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. And it's really great to get those young bodies. So it is varied. But what we did was gyrokinesis. And so it was on the stool and also on the floor. And we did some interesting breath sounds and all of that. And yeah, so, you know, how to describe it is that, you know, much like life, it's varied. (laughs) Mm hmm. And. I'm curious because I know you're a dancer. I know that's your background, but I'm curious what led you from being a dancer to, you know, really being this kind of facilitator to help people. Here's your puppy. What's your puppy's name? Mika. Mika. Sweet Mika has so much to say. So what, I guess, led you from being a dancer to being a person who really, the way I, I guess I would encapsulate it is you help people be embodied. Yeah, that'd be correct. I would say that from my earliest memories, I have always been in touch with my body in a way. I also had a lot of pain and a lot of like, you know, when I was younger, younger, Hmm. that then, you know, some surgeries and some other things kind of helped to actually like get me out of pain. I was diagnosed with endometriosis Hmm. pretty early on, which is like fascinating to actually even think about the resources at that time in the, you know, early nineties to have like the medical staff be able to, you know, finally go like, Oh, Hey, it's probably this thing. And I'm like, I just started my cycle. Mm. So it's not a lot of pain. um, But I also feel like it was really grateful that I was able to actually get some things addressed at a really early age. But that 
still that played on for quite a long time. But like I said, like my earliest memories have always been being very aware of myself and being in my body, always trying different things out, moving myself in various different ways and having a sport outlet and dance outlets and just feeling like I was always in my body. And then Mm. when I was in discomfort, using a rocking technique which rocking of course is just another way to kind of interrupt you know it's like tapping like before yeah. tapping actually became a thing I would rock to try to self-soothe before mm-hmm. I even knew <laughs> knew what self-soothing yeah. was and then I kind of would be like if I noticed that like a, another friend was having like menstrual pain or something like that like another dancer I was like here and I would rock their body or something oh. like to, to like, like to offer that and like bring warmth to you know to help kind of like calm things down and so I think that was always there whether or not I knew how to capitalize on it it took a while for me to actually find the I would say the confidence to actually believe that I could teach yeah you know, because I was like, oh, hey, I just want to dance. And I, that's all I'm doing is dancing. And I didn't really pay attention to, I guess, the tools that were really inherent and there that I didn't know how to access them. Other people had seen them, but I, mm. I would actually called them to mind first. And so through some lovely encouragement of some mentors and things of that nature, I kind of just got onto the steps of like, you know, Pilates and, and going through there. But I always loved these very sound body-based, embodied type movement systems, whether it was like Bartenieff fundamentals and Laban and those things of that nature and really being in the body. I took great delight and body mind centering, which is, you know, you know, they have like various ways of actually looking at the body from like moving in a cellular way and moving in, you know, a bony kind of way. These ideas, they just Hmm. made sense to me in my body. And so I was always interested in those kinds of things. And so some kind of way they got me I was led to actually, you know, jump into the realm of, you know, teaching Pilates and then my yoga studies and all of that just started to blend in my study for energy through Reiki that it all just started to blend. And basically I am a student for life. I love, 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 love learning. And so I will basically just keep acquiring more information because I also feel part of my work is that when I acquire information that empirically works is that I then disseminate that information and share that with my clients. Super important. I'm like, try to be generous with the offerings. It's like, if I'm spending time with you for that hour, that is your hour. I'm not thinking about someone else or whatever. That's the time that I'm spending with you. And Mm -hmm. so I hope I answered your question in some kind of fashion. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I'm really hearing is is that this was a natural gift and it maybe took an outside eye and a bit of a nudge for you to acknowledge that gift, but that this is really what you were supposed to do all along. Pretty much, I would say yes. And where I am in the stage of the game now is fully owning that. Yeah. And- unsure of what that actually looks like because I am doing so much shedding of Mm. thought forms, you know, prior thought forms, negative thought forms, 
you know, limiting thought forms and actually like bringing them up and addressing them and writing letters to them and crying mm. with them and giving them a voice and a seat at the table to actually like spend time with them, which is sometimes really depleting. So it's like talk about going through it, not to mention like with all of these retrogrades and everything happening and Lord mm-hmm. have mercy since last year, it's like intense. It's like your life is going to change. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. you know, my outlook is like shit isn't always going well. However, the way that I actually look at it and the way that I feel about my quality of life is so different than like a former version of myself Mm. who was doing protecting and being unaware of where she really needed to stand in space and in the room. And so now it's just like, I, I let all that emotion come in and I cycle it and I look at it and I write and I write and I, you know, dance it out. And I just feel like something is happening all of this change is occurring, all of these things, these things that I haven't necessarily given space to, where it's like, I kind of knew that they were there, but it's like, look, you really need to get your shit together Hmm. because if you don't have shit together, this next jump that's going to be taking place and whenever you actually bring this thing forwards, it's going to have repercussions. And I heard that message loud and clear that this, there was like this year, you have to address Mm. all these things. And I got the message from the universe and I got the message through my, you know, my meditations and all of that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm deep diving into so much work and a lot of illumination and forgiveness and acknowledgement, really, Mm. all of that. I'm just sitting here smiling in a knowing way. You really eloquently... (laughs) I think way more eloquently encapsulate what I feel like I'm experiencing, what a lot of my friends are experiencing. I feel like, too, I almost want to say that this is really a process that a lot of women or female identified people are going through at this time because, you know, I've got some other male colleagues and I don't hear that from them, but I hear Mm -hmm. this from women and I think there's a rising right now and we're all going through this kind of cocoon period and we are gonna be fucking butterflies flying out of people's butts yeah (laughs) i mean like get ready so (laughs) yeah so you're not alone and i imagine you've been tapping into your support systems but just kind of want to let you know from my perspective too yeah i'm in it with you Yeah, I'm like, I can't say that I don't have like those who are like really closest to me, like watching them in various age groups, right, as well, that are also having this very type of awakening. And that's what I think it is. It's a yes, it's another call to actually see what else is there. Yeah. So they are ready. (laughs) Yes. Ready for us. Absolutely. And I've just found myself, I can't get enough spiritual connection right now. I've been, and my husband will tell anyone, I'm buying crystals like it's my fucking job. Because <laughs> I found on eBay, I can fucking get great deals. And so like, Seriously? yes, eBay? I've never girl, checked. have some people that I follow on Instagram that I purchased my stuff from. That's so cool. 
I do it on eBay because you can get shit for like five bucks. Yeah. So it's been crazy. And my bro- my brother came over once and he looks around and he's like, what's your crystal budget per month? <laughs> and I'm like, there is no budget right now because, dude, I need all the connectivity that there is. That's so funny. I actually, I had that experience. And I mean, like my budget is like small, but there was a period of time where I was just like, okay, yes, I need this. And I have like a divination deck Mm. that actually where you can learn about different crystals. And I use that and I pull that out sometimes, which is really great because it's like, okay, write this down and then like go to Dave's and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay. And then feel it. How does it feel in my hand? But the thing that I use regularly, of course, is my somatic meditation practice Mm. and that is always my go-to and then I have a tarot deck which is Mm -hmm. the Mary L tarot deck which is super super powerful I knew when I had seen it I had a couple of decks in mind and then I saw it on Amazon and it literally spoke to me Mm. (laughs) across the interwebs and when I got it and I pulled my first reading and I was like fuck wow this is the deck for me to like to pull. And so I often meditate. And then after my meditation, I just do a three card pull and I'm like, okay, I ask for information. What is it that I need to know about the day? You know, what's my advice? What's in and what's out? You know, what's morning? What's midday? What's evening time? It depends. And right now the readings are pretty fucking spot on, very spiritual. It's like, keep going rise above and watch from this elevated view and Mm. like just this amazing encouragement that is being resourced that I'm I know that it's coming from you know the energy from my energy and energy of all the space and time that I have taken up and however many lifetimes that is right it's like sound waves just traveling far distances to come back to the center point mm-hmm. and and then that's like that's me that's where I am right now and I get the message and then they like well can go back out or whatever how yep. it's really really cool and that's like my personal practice that I have and mm. I just you know notes about that and then I am doing lots of writing and so that's just getting to see like ooh, these voices they're my voices and they're all like coming together but wow it is an elevated voice in a way that yeah. I had only seen you know it's like it is the coming up and the fullest expression of your Buddha nature. And it's great and it's amazing. So, yeah. (laughs) And I'm always listening to what my guests say with a skeptical ear just for the people who might be listening who are like, tarot cards are bullshit and whatever, (laughs) all this kind of stuff. And I guess I want to speak to those people. And what I learned about tarot cards that helped me make more sense of it is that it's a tool for you to hear your highest wisdom. For me, it's almost like validation. Like whenever I pull cards, they're always spot on. They're either exactly what I needed to hear or exactly what I thought was going on. And I just needed Mm -hmm. some external force to like validate that. And like you said, that it's all the energy that's coming from you. I think about being connected with the divine, whatever that means for different people. But for me, like a divine, like universal kind of source of love and Mm -hmm. my highest good 
And then the cards are reading my energy. Yes. As I pick something out. And yeah, kind of just like you said, like all my cards right now are, yeah, that keep going message that you're building something amazing and, and there will be huge benefits and prosperousness and all of this sort of stuff. Just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening and you haven't used tarot before, this is, uh, I don't know, maybe try and just see what's up, you know. Because the cards speak to you. And the, and the thing about it is, it's like when you think about tarot, I feel, you know, as because I use it as a personal and I don't actually do readings for other people. But, mm-hmm. you know, just from how I actually use all of my other energetic resources is taking a photograph. It is a snapshot mm-hmm. for where you are at that moment in time right. when you pull a card. It is actually the physical representation of your thought form and of yourself yeah. at that moment in time. And so it is interesting if you pull cards in the morning like I do. For me, I pull the cards to see what's happening for the day and things I should be, you know, just be aware of. And I get that. And sometimes I just pull the cards out and I look at them. And then I might read about like maybe like the first card, for, you mm-hmm. know, for my three card pull. And then there are some days where I will just I'll meditate, I'll pull the cards, I'll leave them there, and I will come back at the end of the day and I will read about what those cards oh, meant. And I'd be like, yeah. and I'd be like, okay, well, this makes so much sense about that. Right. Okay. It's another physical representation mm-hmm. of your mind, where you are and where your spirit is, where your psyche is. Right. So, yeah. Yes. Well, let's shift into some of the healing talk because I'm I'm really curious what your response is to this question. But do you find yourself connected to the word healer in the work that you do? And if so, why? And if not, why not? Okay. So when we first met, I would have said yes, that I connect to that word healer. When I think about the word now, I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. It's kind of like a springboard for me because really I do believe that every single person has the capacity to actually work and repair and heal themselves, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm always like, be at home in your body. And I know that I'm always trying to guide people back to themselves part of it because it's a personal practice for myself when that, you know, I have not had the confidence I needed to have to finish a task or head forward into something that I didn't want to do or things of the nature. It's like coming back and using yourself as a resource. And so I would necessarily (laughs) say now that I'm a healer, but I would lean more towards that. I'm a guide. I'm an intermediary. I'm a mirror for some, but I am not healing anyone. I'm not healing anyone. That's the thing. It's not happening. I am providing connection and that's like doing mentorship or if I am leading a course, I am not healing anyone in that process. What I am doing is I'm opening myself up to be a conduit Mm -hmm. for the energy for that they can find themselves and renew themselves like in that group setting or in that individual setting. So I feel like I'm really like a guide. Like I understand that I have my own shit and so do you, but we all can do our work. And it's really great when we can get together and have it be two people or four people or six people in class or, or in a talk or something like that and offer the elevation 
of ourselves and our thoughts. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't really call myself a healer because I'm not, I'm not healing you. I don't want the idea of that power on me because this is me personally speaking. Like I feel that it takes away from the work that is a person's responsibility yeah. to do is to show up for themselves, you know? But I think that we need teachers and we need people who will always bring you back to yourself. It's funny, like you answer very much like many people answer on this show before because there's the reluctance to, I guess, sign on for the baggage that might come with the word healer just based on people's own definitions of it. Oh, sure. And it's just semantics, but the way that I look at it is that is what healing does. I don't believe that, you know, there's anyone who's necessarily like putting their hands on somebody and then like healing them. Mm -hmm. I think that even if someone does that, it's one's own body that does the work and one's own spirit and all of that sort of stuff. So it's just interesting how I think the word has been misused and many of us are afraid to be lumped in with those sorts of people. (laughs) That's so interesting. Like when you were starting to talk about that and about the word healing is that I got an interesting image that came to me that was like, excuse me, uh, we're all over here. We have these skill sets and we have this ability to tap into things, Mm -hmm. but please don't call us that. We just don't Mm -hmm. want the bright lights shining on us right now. Yeah. And that's really interesting that at that moment in time, you're like, so basically we're all healers and we should just say that we're healers. And I totally hear that. So I'm going to change my answer. (laughs) Well, I was not meaning to convince you. No, no, but it isn't convincing. It is ownership. And if I think about the work that it is that I do, and I think about the work that it is that we do, there is that aspect. So, okay, let me turn the light on and say, yes. Because it is true. Yeah, I see that. I saw that image come up and I was like, all right, I see. Yeah. And I guess for me, you know, I've really struggled personally with how to walk that line between humility and gratitude and being conceited. I want to take ownership of my gifts and everything that I bring to the world. And I think I bring a fuck ton, but then there's socialization that says, no, no, you can't do that. There's society that says, no, you can't do that. My mother's voice in my head says, no, you can't do that. And I'm trying to, I guess part of, you know, my therapy and putting this podcast out is finding people who will join me in owning this word, you know? Yeah. And that's why it was like, I got the image. I got the Mm -hmm. vision. I heard your words. I heard the power behind them. And it's like, this is the thing that happens. Don't minimize what it is that you do. Because really, then it's always like when you talk about to people who don't believe you, right? Or believe, believe in the work we kind of have a way of going about it where we minimize it because Mm -hmm. we're talking to people and we're trying to also talk to them from the outside, the way that they see us versus talking from the inside, which is the way that we live. And so thank you for that because yeah, all right. That's like, I mean, I get it. So yeah. yeah. And what you just said about talking to people from the inside versus the outside, that's what I've been struggling with some body image stuff lately. And 
having this real shift in looking at myself differently as a sexual being and trying to recognize that it's not about sexual attraction. And I finally, I'm almost fucking 40 years old and I'm finally stepping into this place of like, no, what's attractive about me is my light. It has nothing to do with what I look like. And so I've been consciously trying to project the light out, not to get any sort of sexual attention, but, but just to kind of see what happens. And I have the best conversations with people. I have the best, like very small, short, what people would call superficial interactions, but they're not superficial at all. It's people really fucking seeing me. Yeah. And I just need to somehow figure out how to switch the lens and see myself that way. Yeah. (laughs) I think so I can really step into my power in that way. I think like, you know, when you talk about like seeing yourself in any certain kind of light is something that I had been working on really that was like thrown in my face in regards to when I was in my separation before my divorce. Mm. I realized that in regards to my artistry and creativeness, I stopped that. And so Mm. what that did is because I didn't think that I was like good enough. I didn't think that, you know, uh, it's like, oh, my idea as what a wife is supposed to be. And these are all done by me. This is what I thought, you know, this wasn't, you know, my ex-husband, which we have the best. We are such, such, such good friends. And I'm like super, super happy for all the work Mm. that we've done to be able to be amazing friends because we're amazing people but actually realizing that I did and I didn't want to be seen and Mm. now talk about so many tears crying like in my apartment when I realized that not even in my marriage did I actually want to be seen as the creative vibrant person that Mm. I'm like working my ass off to be right now and really stepping into was like why did I do that to myself it it happened right it was a moment as in years (laughs) yeah so what I guess I would just say to you is go towards what are those questions and what are those resentments and what are those things that you have going on where it's like why can't I be seen or what are you hiding that you don't want to light up. Well, it's funny that you asked that. I know the answer to the question. I have this very loud victim part of me mm-hmm. that is what wants center stage. And there's such a comfort, a historical comfort in playing that victim role because that's how people got attention in my family. Yeah. Is to be a martyr, to be a victim. And I was having this really intense experience last night. You know, I was crying and feeling like I'm not good enough and I'm getting messages everywhere that I'm not good enough. And then, you know, thinking to myself, what do I want? What do I want? And I was like, I want someone to tell me that I'm doing great. And then I realized people are fucking telling me I'm doing great and I'm not taking it. Right. Like that's my fucking victim shit getting in the way. And that piece, I guess I just need to be giving more love and really, like, at least letting that piece say its part. Yeah, girl, bake her ass a pie and let her sit down. Yeah, because she <laughs> clearly has an agenda that is not being met right now. And, and mm-hmm. she's getting in the way of me actually being able to fucking execute. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Ooh. So speaking of all of that, you kind of went right into the wounded healer part of this and talking about, you know, the ways that you've... I don't want to say suffered because... I feel like people who use the term suffering in Buddhism get it. And then in the psychotherapy world, we say that, you know, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. So however you might use the term 
being in pain, but you talked Mm -hmm. about, you know, going through your divorce and that really shining a light on the work you needed to do. Yeah, I'm just curious that word wounded and wounded healer, how that sits with you. I feel nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm neutral to it. It doesn't actually Mm -hmm. affect me in any sort of way. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, I ask these questions of all my guests and there's usually a strong reaction to one or the other and an endorsement of one or the other, but both seems really too hard for people to hold. So it's just fascinating to ask the same questions over and over and get a trillion different answers and pick out the similarities. Yeah. Yeah, but it sounds like just the way that you describe your work It would be my observation that I don't know that you could work in this way without being in touch with your own wounds. Mm, Absolutely. Had I not gone into this deep curiosity of myself based off of familial deaths and grief structures, family systems, and seeing how people dealt with that, and then seeing how I was dealing with that in response to that, and seeing how I, you know, was showing up is that when I ask myself the deep questions, and I am a deep thinker, mm-hmm. I'd like to ponder, where's my place in the world, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as I am in this version of myself that I'm aware of, all of that basically just has led me to going like, okay, you need to take action. It's not a theoretical Mm -hmm. thing, Jamila. Like you studied therapy, sure. But did you believe that it was going to work? Like you have Mm -hmm. to keep applying yourself. And so it's like finally investing and actually doing the work for myself and not seeing it as a theoretical kind of question, but putting it into action. That is really where the shit hit the fan in all kinds of ways. So it wasn't, shit is still like going crazy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is that beautiful mess that mm-hmm. can sometimes, you know, leave me up crying, sobbing for many hours that I have to like just scribble and write at the same time because I can't do anything but have this profound response to whatever is going on in life and whatever's going on in my life or whatever lessons I have really grasped and how that has impacted the way that I actually move through life. And really a lot of that hits home when I see my own limiting thoughts, when I see the self-sabotage. And that was like a huge thing for me this past year. Let's look at the ways that I self-sabotage. Yep. Oh, look. That is an interesting bill. Yep. Do you actually want to pay that bill? I don't know. Why did you not open that immediately? Now you're looking for that and whatever, and mm. you got a phone call and, or it's like, oh, you wanted to apply for something and then you waited until the very last minute. Mm-hmm. That was self-sabotage and, you know, oh, you didn't go out or, do, I mean, it was like incredible to actually see all these small ways that I was like self-sabotaging. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy wasn't the big ones. I knew what I was doing when I put the mail away <laughs> without, right. you know, I knew that. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah, girl, I know, I know. But it was the small ones where it's like, ooh, you know, you probably should have gone and gotten that doctor's appointment because now, right. yeah, I mean, it's small things, medium-sized things. That was really eye-opening to see this pattern mm-hmm. of minor 
self-sabotaging behavior. And it was like, stop being so rude. (laughs) (laughs) Stop being so rude to yourself. I love it. Like, just stop being so rude. Like, how, how is it that you can go around through, and I'm sure lots of other people have talked about this. It's like, how can you go around and call yourself a healer when you Mm -hmm. are going around fucking up your own shit? Like, Mm -hmm. I know. These are questions that we often ask ourselves and only talk about it in private. (laughs) Right. And that's the other reason I wanted to do this podcast, too, because I've, you know, worked with enough people as a therapist where I keep hearing the same stories over and over. And I've come to realize none of us are unique in that way. The pain that we struggle with, psychology is a thing for a reason. Human behavior is fucking predictable. And we all do the same shit. And yeah, pretty much every single person talks about imposter syndrome in one stage of the game or the other. That's exactly what that is. And that fear of, oh, if they only knew that, you know, I was doing whatever at the end of the day that no one would listen to me. Right. It is not cool to sit in a place of fear. You don't make good value decisions. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Of fear. You are always trying to claw your way out from the last fear-based interaction and decision-making mm-hmm. series that you did from the last time. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And when I think about people that I want to do my work with, you know, who are healers for me, I want to know that they've been through some shit. I want to know that they have felt as fucked up and crazy as I have. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I ain't going to trust you. I believe that. Please let me know that you are a human. You're not a cyborg. Right. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks. Next. Thanks. <laughs> oh. Well, I want to be mindful of time and start wrapping things up, but I'd love for you to tell listeners, like, who should come to you? What sorts of people with what sorts of issues should get your services? Yeah. Thank you for that. Always be marketing, Jamila. Always be marketing. <laughs> Again, this, this is this is me working. This is me yeah. working, right? MovingSoulWellness.com is where you can find me. And I would say I really work well and offer space for people who are curious and curious about themselves and not because like they're already in shape. If you're in shape, that's fine. That's totally fine. It's great. I love working with people too, because there's always something to gain and kind of like, how is it that you actually motivate yourself or how is it that you put up a roadblock or self-sabotage yourself Mm -hmm. from, you know, staying in what might be a difficult body responsive moment, right? People who are curious to see what they can learn about themselves and from themselves in a one-on-one situation, it would be really great to just expand your mindset and actually to work with the longevity of your body. You know, how can you really, really be mindful and holistic and connected in your body so you can do all the things that you want to do that you're curious about how you can support that mm. for life. So anyone. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> anyone, really. Cool. And I feel like we talked about a lot of really big things today, but is there anything that we didn't talk about that you really want to make sure to share with listeners today? You know, I, I feel like the thing that happens a lot in regards to pain, for instance, like Mm. physical pain, which of course I work with therapeutically and 
what I would say with that, which is difficult for some people to grasp is like your pain is there. And like, how much time have you actually given your pain to actually speak to you, not speak to you because this body part is calling your name, but it's like, where else do you feel that type of, you know, that thread that pain in your body? Because oftentimes where you feel it in the acute stage is really a symptom of something larger that's happening in your global body. And so getting to work with people who understand that and can help bring that to light, whether it is somatic movement, gyrotonic, gyrokinesis, a manual therapy, any body talk, you know, therapist or anything mm-hmm. where someone can get you into that place is, yeah, you came in for your knee, but there's this whole other system in your shoulder blade and neck that are mm-hmm. like real kind of jacked up, you know, not like, I mean, yeah, it has its repercussions and it's sending it down the chain because it hasn't been listened to at the onset, right? So it has to travel to a place where it can scream the loudest and you pay attention to it. So I would say in regards to those types of things, to check in, to check in with your body and to check in with your body resources, whomever you're working with, personal trainers, things of that nature, to find out what globally is happening because everything talks. It's all connected. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's really important because it's a lot of chronic patterns in the body that show up from thought forms and some of the stuff that is, you know, systemic that doesn't have anything to do with like the way that you think it's just part of you happen to show up in the world and recognizing that some of it is how you use your body and some of it is how you think about using your body and some of it is that's just how you were born. Right. A thing that I learned essentially is that your energy body is the first form of defense and then your skin is the next form of defense and then like physical injury is really the last thing that your body wants to do to tell you like you dude shit is fucked up i've been telling you this in different ways and you've been ignoring me (laughs) yes you know donna eden she'll tell Mm -hmm. you about that in the energy body so Mm -hmm. yeah Uh and carolyn miss she will not mince words in her books when she talks about that stuff but yeah so pain is definitely why people come to check out pilates or gyrotonic or gyrokinesis or recuperative movement or, Mm. you know, somatic work and why people want to try things that seem woo-woo or out there. And Mm -hmm. it is, you are getting something in a very acute kind of way, but there is something globally that's going on that really can be addressed in a way that can at least maybe like temper some of the intensity behind that and give you some tools Mm -hmm. you know we're all here to offer tools based off of what it is that we feel called to work in you know Mm -hmm. so find people that you really can connect with and ask questions and look at some of those how you see yourself how you see your pain and how you manage that when you're working in these ways with your therapists and body therapists and, you know, mm-hmm. some practitioners and manual therapists is that let them help you give you tools and then please go do the work. 
Because yeah. don't come back. Right. Don't come back and say <laughs> shit didn't work because uh-huh. you weren't doing the homework. Right. <laughs> And that's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole other thing, but yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's something that I wanted to just mention about, you know, how I view what's my take on pain in the body. So that's a small, small piece. Well, that's awesome. Jamila, thank you so much for being on the show. This was fantastic. And it was four years ago that we met and we haven't really kept in close contact since, but clearly you and I have been on the same spiritual mission since then. (laughs) So I'm just like so happy to be reconnected with you and to know that we're walking this path together. Absolutely. It is great. Again, this is like reaffirmation. So I love it. And I'm, I'm taking the hints and I got the signals and it is really great to be able to broaden the community walking in our power so i love it oh thank you so much i hope you enjoyed that conversation with jamila thanks so much jamila for being a guest today and as always thanks to andrea clunder and edwin ruiz at the creative imposter studios for editing thanks to liam o'donnell for that great album art photo and to ben mueller for our theme music For more information on Jamila, you can visit my website at www.headhearttherapy.com slash podcast. And you can find Conversations with a Wounded Healer on Facebook and Twitter, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye-bye.